Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, Danelle Dixon, the CEO and Executive Director of the Stellar Development Foundation. And she's here to tell us about the EURB, which is the first stablecoin issued directly by a banking institution on the Stellar Network. Very interesting development and interesting conversation. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Today is Thursday, December 10th, 2020. I have been brewing this idea, philosophy, conspiracy theory, skeptical outlook slash rant for a little bit later in the show. But I want to get into these crypto prices because I want to get straight into Danelle Dixon and talk about this stablecoin that was issued on Stellar. And in other news, I will give you my two cents about this topic. And this topic actually is about more people coming into the crypto space and buying Bitcoins and saying percentages of their holding or their capital or their cash you know, flow or whatever they're talking about. I, I, I'm skeptical about all this, but you're going to have to wait until after the prices and after this conversation with Danelle. Let's get into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. And I'm recording this at 2.45 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is at $18,323, down a half a percent from yesterday. Ethereum, 561.30, down 1.6% from yesterday. That is, let me just count this really quick. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven days of consistent down. Litecoin, 74.58, down 2.25% from yesterday. Chainlink, $12.01. I should have just rounded that one cent. I don't know why I tell you some of these cents sometimes. But anyway, $12.01, down 3.8% from yesterday. XRP, is up actually 57.4 cents up 2.8 percent total market cap for the space 504.9 billion dollars with a btc dominance of 62.8 percent top 10 coins bitcoin ethereum xrp tether bitcoin cash litecoin Chainlink, cardano Polkadot, and bnb and like I said, I'm excited to get into this conversation with Danelle Dixon, the CEO and Executive Director of the Stellar Development Foundation. Enjoy this chat. I'll see you in a minute. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. Look, this is actually really big news. This is going to be the first asset that is issued on a platform, on a cryptocurrency platform, blockchain platform by a bank. It's on Stellar, the EuroB. Tell me about this. Yeah, we're super excited to, to share that Stellar Network has a new Euro stablecoin. And it's the first bank issued euro asset on Stellar from one of Europe's oldest banks. Uh, and, and more broadly, it's one of the first of its kind in, the Euro, in Europe's crypto market. So it's a testament, from my opinion, to the ways that the traditional banking and blockchain can work together and bring together one of the oldest banks in Europe with a fintech startup to deliver exciting innovation in the digital currency space. It, it's super fascinating. It's super exciting. We've been talking about this on this show for a couple months because it is the news that is breaking all over the world. People and banks and countries are trying to get into the stable coins, issuing them on their either government black platforms or platforms like Stellar and other uh, platforms that have been existing. But my question is, and I'm always the skeptic, why not just do their own platform? Why yours? 
Well, first of all, this is a decentralized network, so it gives them access to uh, the globe, in essence, right? To all of the other um, folks that are already building on Stellar and to all of the other countries that they can actually connect with using the Stellar decentralized network. Uh, but a bank like Bankhaus von uh, Vonderheit, which was founded in 1754, innovating with blockchain technology, it's pretty exciting. So uh, the fact that they chose Stellar to do this on and they partnered with Bitbond, which is the, the tech company that they're working with to get it done, is just a really great, I think it shows the innovation that you can see in banking. And here I have to ask that very low hanging fruit question again, we, you've answered why they're not doing their own. It makes total sense, connect globally, but there's other platforms as well. What made Stellar stand out? So I don't, I can't speak on their behalf, but I can tell you that Stellar, one of the easiest things to do on Stellar is to issue an asset. It takes a line of code and then you issue the asset. There's a lot more integration work that needs to go in to be able to have the on and off ramps and to be able to deliver the asset to the, the developers and to the customers that you want uh, the, the asset to be utilized for. But, but Stellar is just a perfect blockchain to be able to do asset issuance on. What do you think their end goal is with this? I mean, okay, to be first is always fun. You know, you get, you get that little feather in your cap, but what is their goal? Well, so if you think about, they can now, they have these customers as well as third-party developers of the financial applications that they can settle digital assets and transfer them on chain now. So I think it just gives them the opportunity for scope and scale. So it adds like on and off ramps for the European market and for the, on the network but it also gives their business more opportunity to be able to do more in the digital asset space. So I think that, you know, I think first here, and then they're just gonna be able to grow, not just the consumers of their other financial services that they offer at their bank, but also the, the vendors that wanna leverage this digital asset. Now we know, now thank you for answering that. And think, now we know what it's gonna do for their bank. How does this affect Stellar? I mean, again, this is big news. This is the first, issued by a bank, as we just said, multiple times. Well, how does yeah. this, how does this uh, affect your network? Well, it's just one of the most important things on Stellar to be able to deliver are these anchors that are issuing assets in all geographies. For us to be able to have assets that allow these cross-border payments is just so important. And so if you think about having a European asset that's bank issued, that's supported in, in that way, to be able to interact with a Nigerian asset, to be able to interact with an asset in Latin America. It just creates this framework, what I call the anchor ecosystem on the network that develops and allows all these applications that are already building consumer-friendly products that they can deliver. The, the wallets can then leverage these assets to deliver these remittances cross-border. That's just really so important to be able to have stable companies that are issuing assets like this and, and for others to rely on. So it's called the Euro B. I'm assuming it's pegged to the Euro. Um, right. <laughs> had to ask the question, <laughs> um, but <laughs> it was pretty obvious, but yes. Um, what does it do when other companies, other banks, other countries start to issue stable coins on the Euro as well? Are they competing, if you will? Are they totally fungible with each other? How does commerce look? Can you just go into a little bit about, you know, once these other banks start having these Euro stable coins or the Euro itself has their own blockchain in, their, in a stable coin, how, how does it fit into the whole ecosystem then? So if you think about if, the, if there was an asset that was issued by like the central banks for a European asset that was issued, I think that there's gonna be this like public private combination so that entities that are already issuing stable coins will be the way that the central banks push those assets out so that they don't have the one-to-one -one cons consumer relationship. So I think that that's how that'll work with any kind of Euro larger Euro asset that may or may not be issued. I think there's some decisions being taken up later uh, in next year. Um, 
And then in terms of like, is there competition? If there are lots of Euro assets, the beauty for the end consumer, whether that be a developer or a consumer on the end of it, is that that kind of competition creates improvement in service layers, right? That's what we saw on the internet. That's what we would love to see in this internet of payments is to see increased availability of really high quality assets and high quality services out there. So there's some competition, some are issued for some things, some are issued for others. Um, some are better for one or the other. So I think it just creates a lot of opportunity for developers and for consumers ultimately. Now, this might be a novice question and I, I just have to ask it. I mean, if this is a Euro, the Euro, right? And the Euro has a denomination or a worth within the EU, you can buy X amount of goods with X amount of Euros. Right. That's how it works, right? Uh, is there really competition? I mean, if a Euro is on a on a blockchain, say it's Stellar or if, or if the EU makes their own Euro, it's still the Euro. Is there a potential for cross-chain interoperability or is it is it fungible with all these other ones like i guess what i'm trying to say is i don't understand why there should be competition if there's euro stable coins and they all could do well, the so same the, thing the euro stable coins means that they're backed for example in uh with, with um, bank house they'd be backed one-to-one -one by the asset the, the fiat asset that's sitting in the bank account so right. the stable coin itself is based on the ultimate limit based on the europe the euro but the availability of services and, and um, financial opportunities with these different asset issuers is different. So even though the euro itself may be transacted and, and is backed again, each of the issue, each of the entities issuing these stable coins backs it one-to-one. -one. So you know that you're protected from that standpoint, but it's what these financial services offer. Are they more focused on developers? Are they more focused on the end consumers? Are they more focused on remittances? Do they, would they, do they like to work with application layers that are gonna get down to the farmers in, in Eastern Europe, for example? So there's lots of opportunity uh, to create competition around. And, and ultimately, the nice thing about it is from a remittance standpoint, there's a lot of opportunity for the end consumer or the developer where there'll be competition on price too with respect to the different types of fees that become associated with these things. Right, and that goes to back to the first part of my uh, question was the cross-chain interoperability. I mean, just because, you know, say the bank that you're teamed up with right now is, and I, I apologize, I can't pronounce the name, but, okay. uh, <laughs> but you know, just because they may have certain offerings, uh, but that doesn't mean that these other companies or the other centralized banks will have certain offerings. And once you can cross-chain from Stellar's, say, to whatever blockchain they're using, it, it just works for everybody, correct? Right. I mean, from if you think about, we already have a, a, a relationship with USDC, they issue on Stellar, they issue on Ethereum, the issue on other chains. I think that it's exactly that. That, that interoperability cross-chain is really important too from our standpoint because it gives ultimately the developers and consumers a lot of opportunity to, to find what's right for them. Danelle, this was only supposed to go on for about four minutes, but it seems to be about 11 minutes, but it's super interesting. Like this is really exciting stuff. And I can't wait to see how like this all rolls out because I just don't see why this has to be a zero sum. And I think that everybody could win in this because there's just so much potential. And anyway, I'm going to say just congratulations to you and Stellar for pulling this off. And I really wish the best to everybody who's trying to make this work for the future. Thank you. We do too. Appreciate your time. And in another news. Former Bevo CEO makes significant Bitcoin investment. Sean Puri, the ex-CEO of social networking platform Bevo has, is it Bebo or Bevo? I have never heard of this before. Anyway, has invested a quarter of his capital in Bitcoin. And this is where my rant comes in. My observation, my skepticism. Last week, we heard Real Vision putting 10% of their cash holdings into Bitcoin. Today, we hear Sean putting 25% of his capital into Bitcoin. The thing is, what got me last time about Real Vision is they didn't want to tell us how much they put in. They said 10%. Uh, that, that can be anything. 
That could be $10,000. That could be $100 million. We just don't know. And 25% of his capital could be any amount. Again, we don't know how much his capital is. And the thing is, I see more and more of these headlines starting to line up and come out. Like 25% of this or 30% of that or 50% of this capital or cash or stocks or I'm selling. And it's kind of like they are all trying to catch the same lightning in a bottle that MicroStrategy did, in my opinion. Like MicroStrategy got super influential in the space. Michael Saylor got super influential in the space because of his investments into Bitcoin, right? He got super influential all around in even different industries. He took a gamble, not only with cash money and Bitcoin price and gains and his company, but also on his reputation. And it was a PR success move. Like you couldn't buy this PR. You couldn't put millions of dollars into PR, into marketing, into advertisement to get as much good press that he got and influential press that he got from that move. You couldn't have done it. But now I see everybody else trying to, in my opinion, trying to capture that lightning in a bottle that he got. And you're not going to do that without putting out one numbers and two, making big investments. If you are real vision and look, I, I don't know what their company policy is. I haven't talked to the CEO. I talked to a, somebody that was representing the company at the time and they just didn't want to say how much they put into it, which is fine. You don't have to. But then why say you're putting 10% in? And so if I'm connecting the dots, the only thing I can equate this to is they are trying to get the same amount of value as MicroStrategy got from their investment without the actual risk. And that risk is monetary and PR nightmares. I mean, what a PR nightmare if Bitcoin went to $3,000 after they just bought $425 million at $12,500 Bitcoin. I mean, it would have been a disaster, right? Everybody would have lost confidence in Michael Saylor. But he took that risk. He took the risk of putting big money into Bitcoin at a pretty decent price. I mean, $12,000, $13,000 is not a little bit of money per Bitcoin. It's up there on the scale of Bitcoin historic value. And so I think that people are trying to get that same value that he got out of you know investing into Bitcoin while at the same time mitigating the risk. The risk of PR nightmares, the risk of failure, the risk of criticism, the risk of investors going, you're damn crazy. So my skepticism is, I would say that we want to be very skeptical of people who are coming out saying that we, they put an X amount of percent into Bitcoin of capital, of cash holdings, because we don't know that number. And if they're not going to disclose that number, why should we give them the free PR, the marketing the advertisement for this thing that they're doing in the space that we don't even know if they're doing it i would also say be skeptical of the famous people that were trying to ride this bitcoin train as well logic okay i'm gonna give him a pass because he put six million dollars into it that's great he disclosed how much he put into it how much is logic worth i have no clue six million dollars isn't a little bit of money so good for him Maisie williams she came out and tweeted about it and got you know crypto famous overnight for just tweeting hey should i go long on bitcoin and jk rowling she started a whole conversation around Bitcoin, which I could only imagine was wine-induced conversations late at night for some of the conversations that were being had about Bitcoin. But all I'm saying is let's just be skeptical. Let's be as skeptical as possible about all these different intentions coming into the space at this time. They could have done it before. But what I'm trying to say is they're doing this now at almost all-time high Bitcoin prices, coming into a possible bull. Historically speaking, this could be epic. Let's be skeptical. Let's not let them take away the thunder of all of the long hodlers 
all the people who've been doing the work this whole time because they come out and say 10, 15, 25, 50% or just start tweeting about Bitcoin and their name is famous. Let's be skeptical about the intentions. That's my rant. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. Tomorrow on the show, we have Dave Jevons. It's our long form podcast. I had a question to Dave and it's very simple. Remember, Dave is the CEO of CypherTrace and Dave has been on the show many times already. And I always didn't think he was pro Bitcoin, pro blockchain, pro cryptocurrency. But then it dawned on me. He is 100% supportive and pro Bitcoin. But then I had to wrestle with this other idea of this hypocrisy. How can you be pro Bitcoin and yet make a company that tracks your Bitcoin transactions, works with the government, helps them create regulations, monitors the transactions for Monero? How can you reconcile making a company that does that yet still support Bitcoin? That's like taking Satoshi Nakamoto's name in vain. That's hypocrisy. That's I needed answers. So instead of assuming that I know the answers, I said, Dave, come on the show and talk about it. And that's in tomorrow's conversation. Dave Jevons tells me, how can you be pro Bitcoin and have a company that tracks your cryptocurrency transactions, works with the government and helps establish regulations? It's an interesting mix. I can't wait for you to hear that conversation. But remember also, we are having a contest to give away four Binance.us hoodies. So if you like hoodies and you like Binance.us, please leave us a rating, a comment in Apple Podcasts. It's the name that counts because I will pick four of the names for four of those hoodies tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. Happy hodling, everybody.